Brett, welcome. So happy to be joined today by J.C. Jones, uh, one of my favorite favorite musicians, easily. Uh, a little bit about J.C. He's a mental health professional, a hypnotist, and EMDR practitioner with extensive professional training in education, music, and the visual arts. He's a devoted yogi, completing the Living Yoga training program at Yogaville, and a student of many faiths who enjoys sharing simple practices for wellness of the body, mind, and soul. So JC, very, very much looking forward to, to speaking with you, but I thought we'd do something a little bit different today and, and start with a, a musical piece. Uh, so uh, if you would, please. Absolutely, thank you, Avi. This is, um, this is a song from Plum Village, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, one of the songs that they sing there. Breathing out 
is me you and your breath you and the air as humming bird and blossom have never been a Take gentle steps Feel the ground Curl your toes Is there a line? Between you and your path, you and your steps, you and the earth as butterfly and blossom. have never been apart. Take your time, breathing in, breathing out. Look deeply as you say, This is me, you and your breath. flower have always been together take gentle steps feel the ground Curl your toes, where is the line between you and your path, you and your step? And the earth 
as butterfly and blossom have never been apart. I always find the transition from kind of listening to music to maybe speaking words to be, I don't know, interesting in some way. Like I want to like hold on to like the music, like just having regular conversation after, <laughs> after, you know, kind of a yeah, yeah. powerful Bhakti experience. Um, yeah. Do you ever feel like notice that transition and, and notice like a, a desire to like hold on to just the music. It's, it's a totally different part of the brain. Mm. Uh, it's like um, a totally different kind of awareness too. different kind of listening, uh, different kind of expression. And it does feel like it carries a lot more or it can carry a lot more depth and dynamic than conversation. A lot of times conversation feels like, um, uh, there's something very inaccurate, you know, about language. Yeah. yeah, I, I really feel that too. And more and more, what, what is that? Like, cause I respect language, you know, it's, and it's amazing to be able to communicate via language at the same time, maybe it's overused a bit. Is that, is that what it is or is it something else? Well, I think it's unnatural hmm. language. I think that we, um, like when we're not in our bodies and we meet as souls, we communicate telepathically, you know, and instantaneously. And uh, just by noticing one another and engaging, we can communicate in entire lifetimes of experience in, in a moment. Um, and I think we have that ability here too. Uh, it's just very muted. And so instead we have these tools, the language tools to communicate with concepts and ideas, but, um, but they don't communicate emotions very well. And that's such a big part of our experience. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's putting language in its right place. Like I'm going to, try to explain to you what my emotions are, like what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. But I'm also aware that it's impossible to be completely accurate with that. Like you're only getting like a little bit of what's really happening inside to me, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, and those kind of, I mean, how would you describe the experience of eating an apple or watching a sunset? You know, um, poetry can come close, music can probably come closer, but, but I think there is a way of transmitting that information that is uh, transcendental. Mm. Um, and I think that we have some knowledge of that too. You know, like we know that it shouldn't be this difficult to communicate what we're feeling. And is there also, is, is there a, a loneliness aspect of life that's just kind of how it is? Like, 
my experience uh, is on one level very personal. And that doesn't mean I'm not connected and, you know, not connected to others, can't connect, um, transmit on a certain level. But there's also this uh, very intimate relationship that we have with our own experience that no one else really can understand. I mean, maybe we don't even really understand. Yeah, I think both are true. Yeah, yeah. And it, it does feel, I mean, all being all alone is being all one. Uh, all one is all alone. I mean, that's, you know, some say that's why God created uh, the universe was because he was all alone. If you were to use some words to describe how you feel when you're playing and you're singing, mm -hmm. what would you say? It depends on what moment I'm in, uh, because there's, uh, you know, sometimes um, there's some uh, self-criticism and self-judgment that comes up, you know, um, thinking thoughts like, oh, uh, my voice isn't very warmed up this morning, or uh, that, was a, that was an E7, it was supposed to be an F major, you know, things like that. Um, but there is, the music is a path for me to um, come into a space where thoughts don't occur and where there's just uh, sort of a presence. And so as much as I can uh, when I'm singing, especially a song like that, where it's a, a teaching, you know, and a very profound and very simple teaching um, to just as much as possible stay out of the way of, of that energy and, and be aware of that energy and let that energy come through. Um, but it feels very connected when that happens. I feel very connected. So would you say, you know, it's this flow between feeling this connection and having the teaching move through you and then also maybe you know thoughts as you mentioned pop in and mm -hmm. you notice moving back and forth between those planes yeah yeah and then noticing the thoughts and um you know uh having compassion for for those kinds of thoughts and feelings and and remembering that it's not a it's not um uh, there's something that I'm, I'm working for, working towards, but uh, it's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Um, and so just allowing uh, whatever is going to happen to happen and being available for that. Because a lot of time that kind of contraction, uh, you know, it, it interrupts the process. It's very similar to a meditative process. Hmm. Yeah, it does seem that way a little bit. It's just like this relationship between both striving for better, having an intention for doing something well, mm -hmm. and then also being aware and okay with imperfection and knowing that that perfection is impossible. If, it, if perfection is possible at all, then it includes imperfection. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the moment is always perfect as it is. And so kind of 
relaxing into that and allowing that to be the reality that I'm in um, is the best feeling, you know, when I'm, when I'm playing or when I'm singing. Um, so the moment, the moment is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, ultimately, I would say, you know, I, that's the place I want to be with that, that level of acceptance, like total total acceptance, I would say, you know, connection with God is, is that, that. So what, what takes us from that? Because in a way it almost seems natural. Like why wouldn't I be accepting of the unfoldment, right? Like all the evidence seems to point to accepting how our life is unfolding. Yeah. Right? Like even, even the bumps lead to learning this and that and, and finding peace, right. Is totally related to accepting everything that's happening mm-hmm. at the same time. It seems very challenging to do. Why is it challenging? <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I think it has something to do with wanting to be in control. Uh, because when when you when I when I look at life in any moment, it's miraculous. You know that any of this exists at all is a complete, astonishing miracle. Uh, the, the way the body functions, the the laws of physics, um, the environment that I find myself in, um, and there I think there is a tendency in me and in all of us to want to own that experience and to have some control over what's happening. And I think that probably it stems from a fear, um, a fear of could be anything really, but um, a fear of being out of control, a fear of not knowing what's going to happen. But uh, like you said, I mean, God, God itself is perfect. And so how, could anything be any other way if God is the only reality that we experience? How would, or how do you define God, what God is? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I think, I think the answer, it'd be something it, I mean, in the Tao Te Ching, it says the Tao that can be spoken is not the true Tao. Mm, And the the reason is that whatever you say God is, it's that and it's so much more. Um, And so, uh, and Meribaba says God alone is real. I think that that would be a good definition for God. God alone is real. Mm. There's nothing apart from God. There's nothing separate from, from that vibrational reality. Uh, that all of this is like a, a sort of a dynamic fractalization of that we experience, uh, but it's all connected to that one source. Hmm. Hmm. Seems that God, the word God, is uh, perhaps a very good example of words in general in our relationship to words that it can mean something so different, right? Like 
in a way, I don't want it's not it's not appropriate to say to take back the word, but just to I ask the question to open up what that means, right? I think because I could say for myself, like having a relationship or awareness even of I don't know, it's for me, I'd say it's connected with humility that that I have a limitation of of knowing. So like when I I connect with God, it's just like Avi takes a step back and doesn't try to control or figure things out, right? So that's yeah. very important. But that's a very different definition than w- when I grew up and most of us, right? What what we were taught that maybe God was or other people thought that God was. So yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah know. It's, a, it's a loaded, the word is loaded for, loaded for a lot of us, yeah. And it's interesting for me to look back at, um, at my experiences growing up in the church and uh, all of that. And, you know, to see that they, what I was taught wasn't wrong. Um, it was correct in, in every way, really. Um, even the parts that don't make sense, they have their place. But that it's only like looking at the color red and thinking that you're seeing the whole rainbow. It's only one, one part. It's interesting also because every human being's experience of the divine is different. Um, we all, if you asked all 7 billion of us that question, we would all come up with a different answer. And there might be a lot of similarities, you know, especially for people who are in organized religions. But, um, but at the heart of it, I think it's an experience, uh, which even growing up in the church, you know, through music especially, uh, it was an experience that I was able to have at a very young age that, that presence and that knowing. Hmm. Have you been singing, you know, since you were a child? Has it always been a, a part of your life? It has, yeah. My dad is, uh, he was, uh, growing up in the church, he would lead the worship. And so um, I think I was maybe 12 or 13 when I started playing in the, in the church band and leading worship and then did that into my twenties, I think. Um, so it's always been a big part of my life. Yeah. What have you noticed about the way that your voice has developed and changed? A lot of that has to do with, um, relaxation, uh, find the more relaxed I am, the more I'm able to, to stay out of the way and let the process unfold. Um, but it is a, uh, it's an, there's a craft to it. Um, and it's sort of like, um, I don't know, like maybe gymnastics or something, you know, there are different kinds of tricks and things. That, um, but I think the main thing that I've learned about my voice and even when I'm speaking is intention and just being aware of the, the tone and the cadence to try and convey a sense of ease to the person that I'm talking to uh, and connection. And it's become very important in my, in my work um, as a, a counselor you know, that, that, and as a hypnotist too, hypnotism is all about the voice. Um, so it, it is a very important tool for all of us. And I think it's something that honestly, everybody should explore. Um, everybody has a voice. 
all, I've never met a child that didn't enjoy singing. In a way, do you feel that, you know, when you're singing, you're offering that, is that a, an expression of kind of like your essence, the essence of what you are is in your voice? I, I absolutely believe that, yeah. Um, you can hear a lot in a person's voice. I mean, you can hear their soul when they sing. Uh, and you can hear their mind too. You can hear their mm. their anxious, uh, you know, they're lacking confidence. Um, if they're preoccupied, they're not really uh, with the voice, they're not with the song. There's so much information in the voice. Uh, and also, it really feels like music is the closest that we can come in this reality to our actual true state of being. You know, the way we are when we're not here. Um, could be described as music, I think. Can you say that again? The, the way that we are when we're not here could be described as music? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's the way that it is when we are here too. Uh, the earth has a vibration. The earth has a tone. All the planets have a tone. The sun, uh, the body also is creating vibrations. Um, uh, vibration is one of the fundamental elements of this reality and we all vibrate together and in harmony and sometimes in disharmony, but uh, it's uh, part of what we are is vibration. Hmm. So do you notice that, you know, if you kind of r relax and also, I guess, going back to, you know, thoughts and the mental level that the thoughts are they the kind of uh, initiation to, to different vibration, right? Like if I, if I remember to relax or accept or let go, is that the start of shifting the vibration in my being? Yeah, there's something to that. Uh, and it's something that I've noticed uh, through meditation is noticing the effects that thoughts have on the body and feelings in the body and noticing the effect that uh, thoughts have on emotional states in uh, the way that thoughts feed emotions and then emotions can create thoughts. And, and that's a process that can get out of control pretty quickly. Uh, but the thoughts are something that we do have control over, like the breath. You know, we can breathe intentionally and we can think intentionally as well. Uh, but there is a lot of power in thought. Any, anything to say about judgments like but even you're talking about you know if you're listening to music and you're you're aware of what's happening maybe for another person the the performer as they're singing right mm -hmm. so it's it's it seems very close there the the distinction between just being aware of what's going on and then making a judgment you know about them oh i like this i don't like this they're doing well they're not doing well yeah i th i think uh what what i'm thinking right now is that judgment is what creates separation um so you're listening to the song and you're you know enjoying the the, the experience um but then if a judgment arises you know that it's it's uh, especially negative judgments um 
then you've kind of backed out of the experience and now you're, you're, uh, you've entered the mental, the mental space. You're, you're conceptualizing the experience. You're no longer in the experience. You're in your own conception. You're recreating it in a way your mind is recreating the experience. Hmm. Yeah. And it seems to me, maybe that feeds into kind of the ego realm of, Mm -hmm. because when I'm caught there, then I'm, I'm really taking what my opinions are very seriously. Like it really matters yeah. <laughs> how I, how much I like this per, how good I think that they, they are. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard to let go. It's hard to let go yeah. of that. Right. It's like our culture, I, I feel is like all about everyone forming opinions and sharing opinions. And how could I even exist if, my opinions don't really matter that much. It's true. Yeah. I definitely see that in our, in our culture, the way, uh, you know, people are held up as examples and, and judged based on their appearance and their abilities. Um, but ultimately that whatever you're judging is yourself. Uh, that's something I've seen very clearly in my experience. You know, if I, if I'm judging somebody's voice as um, imperfect or, or whatever that judgment might be, it's a judgment that I have of myself. Uh, if I'm judging somebody's body as being um, a certain way, you know, um, if I look at myself, I have that judgment for myself too. It's in there. Um, or like if uh, any, any judgment, it, it's, uh, it became very clear to me uh, because I worked, through and I'm still working through uh, those judgments. But, um, you know, like judging someone <clears throat> to not be uh, spiritual enough, you know, it's like, well, if I look at myself, I, I have that same judgment here too. I'm just projecting it onto uh, the external reality, which in reality is not an external reality uh, because there's nothing that's separate from any of us, it's all connected. But I, I think it's, you know, I think it's, um, it's like, uh, it's like a tree growing against the force of gravity. Uh, It's something that's present in our development to help us to get to the places that we want to go. Because really, I think judgment is a, a doorway into seeing others as yourself, you know, to seeing the external as the internal into dissolving that, uh, that barrier. When that, when that barrier begins to dissolve a little bit, does that lead to more interest in investigating the internal? I, I think it would depend on different people um, and different constitutions, different, different um, mental states and attitudes. But uh, what, what I can say is that for me, as that barrier has dissolved, is that it's led me into deeper service. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Anything to share about about service and the maybe the motivation 
that that you have to serve it is it is uh in many ways it is just that you know realizing that the person um that i'm helping uh that uh in that moment is is me i'm helping myself by doing that and in that context what is the self you know the self also disappears because in that interaction that's what that's what i am is that interaction um and that shift that, that's happening with that person that i'm working with um, that's in that moment that's what i am i'm that change i'm the transformation and it's not anything that i'm doing uh it's more like a, a thread that i'm following A thread that you're following. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, sort of like the sort of like this conversation, you know, just mm -hmm. trying to stay present with um, with what's arising and uh, just letting it letting it flow as naturally as possible, you know, um, so that the result is uh, a benefit, yeah, and, and that there's truth in it. Hmm. So is that like maybe moving away from having an agenda? Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Because uh, prime creator has their own agenda you know? and, and our souls before we incarnate here, our souls have an agenda. We have a, a plan and uh, you know, we have things we want to do and learn and experience. And, um, but then we're given this mind to work with that has its own agenda. Uh, but the mind's agenda comes from a very distorted and disconnected place. And so it's not necessarily the healthiest agenda for us to um, follow. Is it? No. And do you feel that that is maybe because, you know, our minds are connected maybe to more of a, uh, a collective mind, right? For all minds and, and also, maybe like a lineage of minds that have been passed down like a just our ancestors and their previous mental states kind of all of that is carried into the way that our minds function now yeah you know right now i'm thinking of um like a digital camera uh taking a picture of a landscape and the landscape is only a representation of the experience. And also in the representation, there are artifacts. Um, you know, if you zoom in close enough, it becomes pixels. And there are certain uh, distortions in perspective that happen with the, with the lens. Um, there might be digital artifacts, uh, blurring and all sorts of changes that happen. Um, and so to me, the mind feels very much like an instrument that is a part of this material reality. And it has, it's severely limited in that way. So going back to the work that you do and the service that you do, crisis crisis assessment right that <laughs> that's how I, I saw it labeled uh part of the your social social work service yeah so 
what what is that like like crisis assessment and how and how is the spiritual practices that you have or you know like you said following the thread of what's happening uh how does that unfold when you find yourself in these different situations that's uh that's a good question and it's a very interesting um experience uh and there's a lot to say about it um the i never expected to go into social work you know i I was an artist for many years doing fine arts and um it got to a point where I, i was doing production art and i felt like i really wasn't contributing that much you know, I, I really felt the need to be of service. And so I went back to school to get a master's of social work degree, thinking I would be like a therapist. But the job that came open was in the crisis clinic, and it's a walk-in clinic. So anybody can come in at any moment with any kind of crisis. And um, so we see people brought in by their loved ones because they have threatened suicide or they have attempted suicide. Um, People come in who are in psychosis and are not oriented to this reality. You know, they're seeing angels and and hearing voices and all kinds of things. Um, And then we do also um, detoxes from heroin and uh, alcohol and benzodiazepines. So people who in many cases actually seem to be possessed by all sorts of foul spirits, honestly, is what, what I'm experiencing there. Um, and so a lot of the work that I do is just talking to them to see what kind of help they need and figuring out whether they need to be hospitalized or you know, where they need to go from, from my office. And one of the skills that I really learned through spiritual practices, listening, really listening and listening with my heart, um, tuning into all of that, uh, all of that information that's not being said. Um, and then making a determination as to what kind of help is, is needed. There's also, a lot of what I see is people who are just spiritually disconnected, who, who, um, for whatever reason are, have separated themselves from their souls to the point where they are uh, in tremendous, they're suffering tremendously because of it. Um, And so I really only have, you know, maybe 30 minutes to an hour with that individual, but, if there is work that I can do in that time to, um, to bring some of that connection back, um, then I can, I'll do that. But also, <laughs> there, there are other realms to work in in that experience as well. Um, there is other information available to me through, um, through different channels. I don't know how much more I can say about that, but, um, but it does feel like 
more of a position of um, it fe it feels more like like spiritual work than than anything else really uh, sort of a spiritual triage and um, it's amazing to see people getting better and uh, people getting well I uh, see amazing transformations at the clinic uh, which is great because it's you know it's state mental health um, and it's it, mostly um, pharmaceutical interventions um, and so it's really imperfect and brutal in a lot of ways but um, being there for someone who is in a state of crisis uh, it's I can't mm -hmm. imagine a better way to be of service for myself Thank you, JC. Yeah. <laughs> Will you uh, offer us maybe one more musical piece before we end? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I'm going to uh, hit a little buzz. Let's see if I can fix that buzz. JC, also, because uh, we'll, we'll just close um, with this, but uh, any way for people to uh, find you, to be in contact with you, to maybe hear more of uh, your music? Yeah, I do. Um, on my Facebook page, I have some songs there, um, and that's a good place to find me, uh, is on Facebook. Great. And then yeah. it's uh, capital J, capital C, Jones on Facebook, that's right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. I am a bird I am the blue sky This little bird Spreading out his wings I am a flower I am the sunshine I am the earth receiving a sea I am a cloud I am the blue sky I am a bird spreading out her wings I am a flower I am the sunshine I am the earth Receiving a seed I am a cloud I am the blue sky, 
I am a bird spreading out her wings. I am a flower. I am the sunshine. I am the earth receiving a seed. I am free when my heart is open. I am free when my mind is clear. Oh, my dear brothers, oh, my dear sisters, let's walk together peacefully. I am a cloud. I am the blue sky, I am a bird spreading out her wings, I am a flower, I am the sunshine, I am the earth. Receiving a seed, and I am free when my heart is open. I am free when my mind is clear. Oh, my dear brother. Oh, my dear sisters, let's walk together peacefully. I am a cloud. I am the blue sky. bird spreading out his wings. I am a flower. I am the sunshine. I am the earth receiving a sea. I am free when my heart is open. I am free when my mind is clear. Oh, my dear brothers, oh, my dear sisters. Let's walk together peacefully.
am free when my heart is open. I am free when my mind is clear. Oh, my dear brothers, oh, my dear sisters, let's walk together peacefully if you've enjoyed this content and think others might as well please feel free to share and subscribe